Hey, beautiful. Welcome back to Thriving Thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Sherry. You know, we are just on the heels of International Women's Month for the month of March. And I have a new challenge for us women here in the month of April. I believe as women, we have made great strides in being able to advocate for ourselves and being able to have a voice. And I don't mean just in the political realm, but I mean in in the business realm, in the social realm, in our personal relationships. We've learned that it's healthy and necessary uh, to advocate for ourselves and to do that in a way that's assertive. I think we've gotten really good at a lot of those things. And I believe there's an area that we overlook and we potentially participate in perpetuating. And that is in the area of the standards of beauty. I came across an article entitled Body Image and BMI 100 Years in the U.S. And I'm just going to hit some highlights I'm setting the stage here for the challenge that I'm going to be offering to you. This is not a political message. This is not a social message. This is a you message, and you are beautiful. So as far back as the early 1900s, you can think like Little House on the Prairie. I guess that was in the early 1900s. Women's bodies were supposed to be tall, slender, yet full. In other words, ample breasts, (laughs) ample hips, but a small waist, right? And as we know, those are not natural proportions. So what was invented? The corset. And who chose to wear the corset? Women. Because that's what we were supposed to do. Now, just keep that in mind, okay? (laughs) This is why I say I think we've made a lot of progress in many areas, But this one, mm -mm, I don't think so much progress has been made. So the article talks about over, you know, a century, the standards of beauty and the practices of beauty for women have morphed. And we kind of follow along like lemmings. And we do this through the language that we use, through the imagery we consume, and through the messages we share subconsciously or overtly with our children, with our daughters, with our friends, we have not gotten away from allowing somebody else's standards of beauty to become our own. So keep this in mind, early 1900s, corsets, right? Tiny waist, big, big bust. Then guess what happened? In the 20s, this was the era of the flapper, So the body was supposed to be a little bit more narrow, not quite as full. And in fact, bras were designed to flatten and tighten the chest, not to accentuate it. So the bras were manufactured and we wore them. So you fast forward to the 1950s. And now beauty is being presented as that fuller figure again with people like Marilyn Monroe. In fact, the word to describe the bodies of that era through celebrities and models was voluptuous. Now we've kind of twisted the word voluptuous to mean 
I don't know, plus size. But voluptuous has a very positive connotation to it. It's desirable. It's attractive, right? But again, as standards have morphed, and when I say standards, look, this is not something that somebody else is imposing upon us. This is something that is, as society, and I'm particularly speaking of Western culture here, this is something that we have collectively decided to believe in and participate in. And we're going to talk about why it's so problematic for us to continue to not advocate for ourselves in the area of beauty. So then in the 1960s, models and celebrities began appearing in more androgynous forms. You know the famous model Twiggy, right? So the body of the woman was now celebrated in in beauty standards if it were more boy-like, straight, thin, not voluptuous, not curvy. Super duper thinness became the wave in the 70s. This is when you saw advertisements for diets and uh, the focus was really on getting thin, getting thin, getting thin. Now, interestingly enough, I'm a child of the 70s. I was born in 1974 and I remember going on my first diet. So this is one of the impacts of our standards of beauty and what we choose them to believe for ourselves and collectively. You can't control anybody else. So this is about you, your belief about beauty. That's the only thing you can control. This episode is for you to consider that, to consider how you're embracing that in your own life. Back to my story. So I remember going on my first diet when I was eight. So that would have been in 1982, just on the heels of a decade-long push for thinness, right? So I was eight. Can you imagine your eight-year-old daughter going, okay, I can have six saltine crackers and a half a can of tuna. That was me. And yes, as you guessed it, the 70s is the age when anorexia became well-known. All of this focus on thinness, women, us, we said, yes, that's how we have to be. That's the standard that we have to be. So we're willing to kill ourselves to do it. Fast forward to the 80s, which was like a decade of jazzercise and aerobics. And so then it became more important to have a toned body, not necessarily a muscular one, but certainly thin and tone was still the rule of the day. You go into the 90s, you remember grunge, you remember heroin chic, where the models and the actors, Baywatch, for example, It was, we want you to be very thin, very narrow, but keep your boobs big, (laughs) right? Again, an impossible, unnatural for 99.9% of the population figure. And now we have a little bit more celebration of curviness, but not in the way you might think. In fact, there was a poll done in 2019. They surveyed 1,000 Americans and they identified the perfect, perfect, Standard of beauty of a woman in the United States as being 5'5", having a 26-inch waist, and weighing 128 pounds. So if you actually draw that model to scale, it's a very unhealthy and unnatural figure. It's like we can't get away from this. You're supposed to have the things that make you attractive, make you attractive, and who says they do, You're supposed to have large boobs and you're supposed to have a big booty, but you better not have an ounce of flab on your thighs or your stomach. I'm here to tell you 
If you have naturally large breasts, that means you have more fat tissue in other places of your body as well. So basically studying celebrities, playmates, models over the years, what's fascinating is as the average BMI of women in the United States, so average BMI of women has gone up, the average BMI of celebrities and models and playmates has an inverse relationship. That's gone down. So the gap between who we are in beauty standards and who we believe we should be in beauty standards continues to widen and become unachievable, unattainable, impossible, unrealistic. Yet we convince our minds to embrace it as realistic. Here's where you come in. You can change the tide for you, your family, and your circle of friends by choosing an unconditional definition of beauty. And I'm going to share with you a very simple way that I believe we can advocate for ourselves in this department that we have unfortunately overlooked and in fact indulged the lies of what beauty is supposed to be. I want you to hear this, moms, any woman who has a young girl in their life that you care about and you care about her emotional well-being, you care about her self-confidence, her self-esteem. This article that I found noted a study, and this is going to be alarming to some of you and hopefully life-changing. 81% of 10-year-old girls feared being fat. 81% of 10-year-old girls feared being fat. It's not okay. You see, in our own obsession, indulgence with the lies about beauty, of having, reaching for, running on this hamster wheel of impossibility to get to this unattainable beauty standard, making that beauty standard our own and becoming collectively our worst enemies against one another, perpetuating it. This is where it's showing up. It's showing up in eating disorders, depression, anxiety, It's showing up in who we believe ourselves to be. We've, in fact, transferred the standard of beauty and how we identify our sense of beauty in ourselves to our worth, to our value, to our identity. So what happens is this cycle, we consume the imagery of a fraction of the population. We're looking to people who are taking drastic measures. We sell diet programs. We've got to try the next new fad. And this is not a message against taking care of yourself. It is not a message about being a good steward of, your, of the body that you've been entrusted with. Do those things, but do them because you believe you are beautiful, not because you need to be beautiful. You see, if you don't believe you are beautiful right now in this moment, Nothing that you ever change about your physical appearance will ever convince you otherwise. That's up to you. And that's where I come in with a thriving thought, with a thriving thought practice. And here it is. Here's the challenge. I want you to start speaking truth to yourself. Not I'll be beautiful when I can fit into a size, whatever your goal size is. By the way, that perfect woman that the study described is a size four. 50% of American women today 
are a size 12 or higher. I believe, and I know through the power of thought, through the practice of thriving thoughts, that as you believe, so shall you be. So if you find yourself looking in the mirror now and saying, ugh, you're ugly, ugh, you're fat, ugh, where'd that wrinkle come from, ugh, cellulite, it's time for you to begin speaking truth over those lies, to begin writing a new narrative, one that benefits you, one that actually is going to make you take care of yourself because you believe it. And that's to speak truth, to say, I am beautiful. I challenge you over the month of April. Will you join me? If you're going to join me, I want you to comment wherever you're seeing this. If you're on YouTube, comment below, just say challenge accepted. If you're seeing this through a Facebook or Instagram link, comment below, message me, email me at drsherryspeaks at gmail.com. Let me know that you're going to commit to this challenge because listen, we can't talk about society and the media as though they are independent of us, as though they foist these false narratives and false beliefs on us, these standards of beauty that are unattainable. They cannot be prevalent if we choose not to participate. So it's got to start with you before it can radiate out. So if you want to join me on this challenge to look in the mirror every day and do it first thing when you wake up and just say, I love you. In fact, every time you look in the mirror, I think it's something like on average women look in the mirror eight times a day. I don't know, to check your makeup, to check to see if you have food in your teeth, check your hair, whatever. Every time you look in the mirror, I want you to look at yourself in all sincerity. You don't get to roll your eyes on this one. That's not how you teach your brain to believe the truth, by the way. Your brain is able to learn new tricks. Your, your brain is able to learn the truth that you are beautiful and you are if you choose to speak it to your brain, if you choose to teach it to your brain. And that comes through habitual, deliberate practice. So every time you look in the mirror, say you are beautiful. In fact, use your name. Say you are beautiful, Sherry. Whatever your name is, add it on to the end of the sentence. No eye rolls, no smirks, no muttering under your breath. None of that. Practice that every time you look in the mirror. And then, then that will translate into the way we speak to other women. You see, we qualify and place condition on beauty. So I'm going to mention a few phrases that I think are problematic for our collective well-being as women. So many of us say we want to empower women. You know, there's hashtag women empowering women, hashtag women inspiring women, hashtag women lifting each other up. Let me share with you a really simple way through the power of language, the power of thought. Thoughts are made up of language that we speak. So through the power of words, you can collectively, we can collectively change the messaging. Instead of saying, you look beautiful, say, you are beautiful. Do you see the difference? You look beautiful versus you are. I'm connecting that to your identity, to your value, to your worth. Instead of qualifying beauty with, you're beautiful inside and out, as if there was a question. If you believe somebody's beautiful, then it is subsumed that they are beautiful inside and out. There's no need to qualify. In fact, when we qualify, we detract power from the very thing we're trying to communicate. Voltaire says, the adjective is the enemy of the noun. Can't be truer in this case. So beautiful inside and out with inside and out modifying the word beautiful lessens its power. You look beautiful for just having a baby. You look beautiful for being 67. Oh my gosh, you've lost so much weight. You look so beautiful. We equate beauty 
to the standard poured over us by the media, by society, and perpetuated by ourselves. We can collectively, as women, begin to speak truth over beauty, to speak the truth of beauty to one another with this simple phrase, you are beautiful. So this week's Thriving Thoughts practice for you. I am beautiful. You are beautiful. Speak it in the mirror every time you look and every chance you get. Say those three simple words to another woman who you want to lift up, encourage, support, and inspire. You are beautiful. Dear viewers and listeners, you are beautiful. I've got a great interview lined up for you on Monday with my cousin sharing her immigration story. You're not going to want to miss how she thrived in those dark, alone, fearful spaces of not knowing if her husband was going to be able to stay in the United States or have to leave and be separated from her and their three small children. So join me on Monday for that episode. Until then, friends, remember to speak truth over the lies. You are beautiful and you will thrive in any and every circumstance.